Welcome to the Running for Office as an Online Candidate podcast. In this series, we cover the tips, tricks, and ideas for local political candidates who want to leverage the internet to help win their election. I'm Shane Daly, partner of Daly Professional Web Solutions and Online Candidate. In this episode, we're going to discuss social media for yourself personally and as a political candidate. We're going to cover some of the best practices in building your campaign's social media presence. You know, back in the early 2000s, when social media was just starting to gain mainstream popularity, most political candidates started using social networking after they made the decision to run for office, if they even bothered at all. Social media was an afterthought and a secondary way to drum up support. These days, experts recommend starting an online presence as early as possible. That allows you more time to build a network of friends and supporters. With an established personal social media presence, your friends, family, and fans will be the first to check out your campaign website, promote your cause, and help in your fundraising and volunteer efforts. Odds are, you already have a Facebook or Twitter account that you maintain and have full control over. But what about the things you did online in the past? Is there some old MySpace page of yours somewhere? Did you ever post comments in online forums under your own name? Are there old, forgotten, personal blogs that you've long abandoned? If you've done any of these things, then you may have left behind all kinds of digital footprints that can come back to bite you when you run for office. Young people tend to put personal information online because they've been exposed to social media earlier in life. At some point, they may be older, wiser, and dealing with the consequences of their online activities. We're already starting to see this now with new, younger members of Congress. Party videos and embarrassing photographs from college are starting to pop up during campaigns. And the point is, racy photos, crazy party shots, offensive posts, embarrassing video clips, and discussion board comments, they can remain online for years. And when these digital artifacts are discovered, political opponents often use these items out of context, or, or even in context as the case may be, and this can leave you confronting sticky issues. You could try deleting the material, but deleting online material will not make the information disappear. A saved screenshot, a digital photograph on a hard drive, or even an archived webpage on archive.org may still be out there. Trying to remove material after it's been discovered can only inflame the issue and make it seem like a candidate's trying to hide something. And don't rely on the privacy controls of online services. Privacy policies change over time, and what was once walled off could be made open. Besides, there's nothing to stop other users from reposting material you've shared. When posting online, use this rule of thumb. Anything that you say or do online will be made public and could be used against you by a political opponent. If you're not comfortable with anyone seeing certain material about you, then don't post it online. Of course, that doesn't prevent other people from posting material about you. And in this age of viral content, you'll still want to watch out what you do or say in any setting where there's the possibility of you being recorded. So be careful of what you post online. It may never truly be deleted. Fix what you can as early as possible. If you currently use social media sites, consider cleaning up old posts and watch what you post going forward. Rework slang or colloquial phrasing within your profiles. Update your profile images to ones that better suit you as a political candidate. Do this as early as possible. You don't have to change who you are, but be aware of how you could be presenting yourself to future voters. No matter what you do, Embarrassing online material may be discovered at some point. In the end, it's best to fix what you can, accept what you can't change, and move on to more important issues. If you believe that existing material could become a problem, you may want to figure out ahead of time how you'll deal with that. Again, assume that any online communication you make will become public. I want to take a moment now to talk about personal versus campaign profiles. For example, on Facebook, with a personal account, you can find friends and post updates to share. 
Personal accounts are not designed for public access. That's what business and organization pages are for. Pages are independent and are generally open to any visitor. A personal account is required to create and manage Facebook pages. One common mistake is for a person to use a personal account to promote their campaign. There are two problems with this. One, only friends will see any updates. And two, Facebook can remove your account if you're caught doing this. We've seen this happen to clients, so don't do it. Create a separate Facebook page for your campaign. On social media, especially Facebook, the walls between personal posts and campaign posts can become blurred. We recently had a client contact us. They had posted a photo of a check to their Facebook page. They were very concerned that this image was now public. Fortunately, they did not post this to their campaign Facebook page, and instead they posted this image to their personal account, which had no friends or followers. And the client had no friends or followers because they only created a Facebook personal account in order to have control over their campaign Facebook page. If the client had a little more experience with the platform before, this probably would never have happened. It was an odd situation, but it goes to show the time to learn about social media is not during election season. One question we often get asked is that once you start campaigning, who should manage your online presence? While you should always want to manage your personal accounts, you may need the help of others to monitor and post on behalf of your campaign. While many candidates may handle everything themselves, even a small campaign may have one or more persons who act as an online coordinator. An online coordinator may have several duties. They may be tasked with monitoring online accounts, creating posts, handling email campaigns, and also newsletters. And perhaps they may even update the campaign website. You may decide to have several trusted volunteers to help with your online efforts. Everyone should know their duties and what they're authorized to do on behalf of the candidate or campaign. Ongoing communication between coordinators is important. Online coordinators also need access to various accounts. Take care not to allow one person to have too much control. You don't want to be potentially locked out of accounts or unable to post if a coordinator is not available. Try to have multiple administrators for every account. Give others only as much account control as they require. If someone only needs editor access to update an account, don't give them an administrator role. When setting up accounts, you may want to use a common email account that's controlled by a high-level campaign member. That can help you keep control over everything. At some point, you may need to update login information or remove a coordinator from your accounts. Make sure that you maintain an ongoing list of all the usernames, emails, and passwords for your accounts. You should also note what individuals have access to any accounts. And here's a tech tip. For better security, it's best to use different passwords on all your accounts, personal and campaign. That way, if one account is hacked, the others will not be as vulnerable. You might want to use software like LastPass to help manage your passwords. All right, so let's talk a bit about handles, and I'm not talking about kitchen cabinets. A handle is the profile name you use for a website or social media account. When you start your online campaign, you'll need to pick a website domain and names or handles for your campaign social media profiles. They may vary a bit. For example, a domain name may be long, but a Twitter handle is limited to 15 characters. Not every username handle on every site needs to match, but there should be consistency, like your ballot name. A common question that often comes up is whether you should include the name of the office you're seeking. For example, should you use the handle elect John Smith or John Smith for mayor? Generally, avoid using an office name and or a year in your website name and social media handles. It's better to use your name with a more generic vote for or elect prefix. If you're going to be in politics for a while, odds are that the position you're seeking will change in the future. 
And if that happens, all the work to build your online presence for an old position may go to waste. For example, you can change the web address on a Facebook page to a unique username address. But once you choose a page name, you might not be able to change it again in the future. A page named facebook.com slash smith for supervisor won't work well if you run for a different office. It may be tough to get your old followers over to a new page. The same goes for a Twitter account. Your handle smith for supervisor will look silly when you later run for state representative. Yes, you can change your handle, but that also changes the link of your profile. This can break old links that connected to your old profile. For your campaign website, we often recommend that you register your own name as the domain name, or a variant of elect or vote with your name. That way, if you run for a different office at some point, you can keep the original website along with the previous links and traffic streams. We've had clients create websites with very long domain names that they've later regretted. You can always get a second shorter domain name and have it point to your main website. A lot of candidates do this to fit the shorter domain name on signs or mailings. So the bottom line is, when coming up with online names and handles, be sure to choose carefully and be prepared to keep them for a while. You may be tempted to switch personal social media accounts into campaign accounts. As mentioned earlier, using personal profiles for campaigning can get you into trouble. Keep a solid wall between the personal and professional. Start fresh and create new social media handles and accounts for your campaign. But encourage existing friends and contacts from your personal accounts to follow your new campaign accounts. Finally, start early and get familiar with the social media platforms you plan to use for your campaign. The more you use them, the more effective they'll be. By the time you start using these platforms for your campaign, you'll know how to effectively engage your audience. Well, this wraps up our episode. We covered some best practices in building your campaign social media presence. There's a lot to learn and a lot of pitfalls. The best way to get good at all this stuff is through practice. Start early and don't make the mistake of trying to learn it all during the campaign season. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website at onlinecandidate.com where you'll find articles, resources, and information about our campaign website services. If you like this podcast, you might want to check out our book, Running for Office as an Online Candidate, available at onlinecandidate.com.